Randy Bachman joins us now. Uh, he is here, of course, founder of Guess Who, the Bachman Turner Overdrive, and host of a show that's coming back, Vinyl Tap. Randy, welcome to the program. Hi, nice to talk to you. So, Randy, no pressure there, but, um, you know, it was quite odd speaking over the uh, beginning of taking care of business for several reasons. One, I knew you were listening in. I don't want to butcher and walk on any vocals. Uh, second is, that was the first forty-five I ever owned as a kid. Oh, that's great. What was on the B-side, do you know? Um, they changed the B-side was different in the States, and it was uh-huh. different in, in Canada. See, this is the stuff that you're going to get from Vinyl Tap, because you do, you are a wealth of information, Randy. You know everyone uh, in the music industry, whether they be Canadian uh, or American. I mean, you've been one of the most successful Canadian artists south of the border and north of this side of the border. Uh, it's been a long, long career, and you started what I think 16 years ago um, or more on CBC, what I think was the first musical podcast, but just happened to be on the radio, Vinyl Tap. Yeah, I started that by accident, and it was, uh, you know, I, I, I left home when I was about 18 and went on the road with the Guess Who in, in, in the early 60s and played, like, I remember every show I played, and I played with, literally, you do 200 gigs a year, mm-hmm. and you do that for a couple of decades, and you, and I'm a fan of everybody that I do a show with, you know, whether it's the Shirelles or Dion and the Belmonts or the Beach Boys or Eric Clapton or Lady Gaga or whoever, Big Sugar, you know, anybody, I'm, I'm a fan of there. So I talk to them and we fool around and we hang out and I remember all the stories. So when I started doing Vinyl Tap, I wasn't quite sure what to do and I thought, well, I'll give people a seat next to me on the tour bus or on the mm-hmm. airplane or a backstage pass to see what happens and tell my own stories. And if you listen to my show, each show has a theme. So it might be songs with girls' names, songs with guys' names, songs about airplanes, boats and trains, power trios, whatever. And that allows me to play, you know, three or four decades of music and tell and give a wide palette of songs, all kind of related with the theme. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I'm so thrilled that we're coming back on, you know, on the Chorus Network. Uh, because it's you know it's one of the great ones, and you know Sunday night at nine o'clock, which is a prime time, which is like all summer long, people are coming home from wherever they've been, their cottage country or the farm, or you know on vacation, and getting ready for the week. And so everybody's kind of settling down, and I'll be back on Sunday nights at nine o'clock. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to have you on uh, private radio. What what do you think is going to be the biggest difference, the biggest adjustment to get used to? Uh, coming from public, because I, I think one of the things that I loved about what you did is we got to hear you noodling on your guitar while you were thinking. A lot of times I, I felt like it, it helped you, you know, recall things that you were explaining. Well, I find that I did the first couple of shows with no guitar, and it was so like I was reading a script, even though I wasn't. I just talked out of my head and my heart. Uh-huh. And I found I found that when I go to see somebody, whether it's Bob Dylan or Neil Young or Joni Mitchell, and they're on stage alone... And they've got their little shtick, their thing they do. When they break a string, and they're changing the string, and they're talking to you, that's when they talk from deep in their mind and heart and memory, because part of them is thinking of changing the string. And you get incredible stories. So I thought, I'm going to just noodle with the guitar. So that's what I'm doing on this show as well. The guitar is there, and it kind of, when I'm trying to think of a, a name or a place, I strum the chord, and I think of the name. And so it, it kind of has a flow to it. 
and that became my shtick. I, you know, when I do that same kind of thing on stage when I'm telling my stories, I have the guitar and it plays in between and it's kind of like call and answer. And it, for me, it works very well or else it sounds like I'm reading a script and I'm not a script reader. Randy, uh, you know, I, I think people that listen to my show on a daily basis have, have come to the conclusion I don't write questions. I don't prepare my questions. I get my question based on what I just heard because I think that's how we have conversations and that's what I like to do on this show. Right. You just mentioned you heard some of the most incredible stories when people broke strings. What's the first thing that pops into your mind when I ask you to tell one of those stories? Like, What story sticks with you the most that you heard when someone broke a string? Who were they and what was the story they told? Well, there was, uh, you know, David Gates. He was the lead singer and wrote in the band called Bread. Okay, yeah. Had, had really, really great songs, very touching love songs. He had a song called I Would Give Everything I Own and Give My Health, My Heart, My Home Just to Have You Back Again. Yeah, you I can th- hear you it. Think, you think it's a guy-girl song, but he grew up in California. His father was a master drill sergeant in the Marines and ran his house and his children like they were soldiers. And for his entire life, his father never expressed any any affection for him. Never said, I love you, son, I'm proud of you, son, or anything like that. Consequently, the son never said it back to the father. And I've got, you know, eight kids, and when they're hanging up now, they say, love you, dad, and I say, love you back. Hmm. That took me a while to get used to, because I had a similar kind of father. And when he said that that story was about when his dad passed away, and he had never told his father he loved him, and he wished he had him back again to tell him that story. Me and the rest of Nashville, sitting in the, in the Bluebird Cafe there, were stunned because we thought it was a guy-girl thing, and it was a son and father thing. And I thought, people need to hear this about my songs, why I wrote She's Come Undone, why I wrote No Sugar Tonight. Some of them are funny, and some of them are real serious. And, that, and, and me, I still love to hear the stories. Why did somebody write a song? Is it directly related or is it totally the opposite that made you write something opposite? And I've had great success with doing that. Randy, we're speaking with Randy Backman, by the way. Uh, Vinyl Tap is coming to the Chorus Radio Network. It will kick off Sunday nights starting on the 6th of um, March. And, of course, you can hear it uh, right down the uh, way here on uh, Q107. Um, the Mighty Q as of Sunday night. I say right down the way because they're the studio next door. But Randy, um, tell me a little bit about that, that Gretsch. You were uh, reunited recently with your Gretsch guitar. You bought it when you were 18. It was the first guitar you ever owned. I am a crappy guitar player and I blame it all on the fact that my first guitar was a Washburn, big bodied Washburn. Uh, leaned it against a wall one day, ran to pick up the phone. You remember when it wasn't attached to us? The thing fell and I broke its neck. Literally. I have never been able to bond with a guitar. That's when things went south for me. So okay. I understand the bonding that you would have, even though I mean, I, you know, you're a genius. I was like just trying to learn, but I understand how important mu- musical instruments can be, especially your first. Tell us about that, Gretch. Well, to, first of all, you get a cheapo, right, to make sure you can play. And that's yeah. like $30 from Sears. And then you you see people playing. You see Dwayne Eddy playing a big orange Gretsch, Eddie Cochran, the early rock and roll guys, Chuck Berry, Chet Atkins. And, and you want one, and one comes into town. And you never saw these guitars until there was Ed Sullivan or American Bandstand, and then you got to see them on, tele, on television. 
and one of them came into Winnipeg, and I would just go every Saturday, take the bus downtown, and go look in the window at this orange scratch. Standing beside me would be Neil Young. And we would look at this guitar. It was on corner windows. We'd look at it from the side and the back and the front and go in and say, can we play it? And the guy would say, no way, because we were like 17 or 18, had no money, and he didn't want us to like destroy the guitar. Then another one came in. So I bought one. Neil Young bought the other. He still has his. He still plays it. Mine got stolen. I, I used mine to write and play these eyes laughing. She's come undone. No sugar. Let it ride. Taking care of business. And then it was stolen from the Holiday Inn in Toronto. After I did a session at Phase One Studio there in Toronto, it was stolen from the hotel room. In 1976? My was, yes, my life was never the same after that. The last time I used it was on the BTO video, looking out for number one. And I it was that. gone, it was gone. And I went on a bender to buy another one and could never find one. So literally almost 50 years go by. And because of COVID shutdown, my son Tal and I were doing Friday night train wrecks. We would get together at six o'clock on YouTube and try to stump each other playing songs that each other picked and not really knowing what we're doing. And when you're doing a live YouTube, down the side of the screen is a little black column and people can write in there, good song, what a bad chord, you play nice pants, buddy, things like that. And one popped up and said, I found your Gretsch guitar. And I said to Tal, get a hold of this guy. Never heard of this guy. So Tal then contacted them. His name was William Wong. He lived in White Rock. We were doing our shows in, in, uh, in Victoria. And he contacted this guy and he said, for fun, because I've had nothing to do, I got this picture from your BTO video of looking out for number one. And I Googled every orange Gretsch guitar sold on the internet in the last 15 years. And I found your guitar. Here's a link. And we went to the link. It was a guy named Takeshi in, T in Tokyo, who's kind of like the Japanese Brian Setzer. He doesn't speak any English, but he was singing Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. This is two Christmases ago. He's singing it phonetically, and it's my guitar. And my son, Tal, is, his partner is Japanese. Her name is, uh, is Eriko. And so she contacts his website in, in Japanese and sets up a, uh, a Zoom, and he brings out the guitar and plays it, and it's my guitar. And I'm, I'm How crying do you know on the, what's your guitar? Uh, it's got a little mark by the cutaway in the Gretsch where the volume control is, and Gretsches were made out of plywood, so the top was bent and arched. And plywood, as you know, if you see a nice piece of plywood, when there's a knot in the wood, like where there was a branch, they put a little triangular piece or a little oval piece to, so there's not a knot in the wood. And mine had that. It looks like a little dime, a darker orange spot on a guitar. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's not a mar, but that's how I recognize it. It's and a so, beauty mark. Speaking, yes, exactly. Speaking to this guy, you know, I'd say a sentence. And Erica would translate it, and he would speak back to me. And he's a very honorable guy. And he's probably in his mid-30s. And he says, I believe I was born to get and keep your guitar for you, and I will give it back to you. I, I burst into tears when he told me that because he, did, he bought it legitimately from, you know, a, a vintage guitar place in Tokyo who had bought it from a vintage guitar player in Dallas, Texas. I can't be and alone, the only one that just got the shivers. That's intense. So did you get it back? No, because he said to me, I'll give it back to you, uh -huh. but, 
and the butt the butt is like the f word it exists in every language in the world oh. so when he said butt in japanese i said what's the butt he said i must have its twin i don't oh, i gosh. don't want you to give me a new gretch you must find one made in 1957 with no mods with no repairs it must be its twin it must be its sister so i say okay i hang up and over the years i had bought over 300 gretches which i ended up selling to fred gretch and it's now the gretch museum in savannah georgia so I know about Gretsch guitars. So I call yeah. this guy at, at, at vintage, Gary's Vintage Guitars in Loveland, Ohio. And I say, remember me? And he says, of course, you bought like 40 guitars for me over the years. I say, I'm, this is the guitar I'm looking for. And he, he finds one where the serial number is three digits away, made in the same week. I get it. I buy it from him. I then zoom to Kishi saying, I found the sister. You and I are guitar brothers. We can't even speak to each other. We don't speak the same language. But we're going to get together, play a song. I'm going to give you the sister guitar. You're going to give me back mine. I will be in tears. We'll probably be taking care of business or guitar boogie. I'm going to fly uh -huh. to Tokyo. And so we're waiting now until travel restrictions uh, are eased up. And we can go to Tokyo. And I can just go there and do the exchange and come back. I can't to wait to isolated. hear the vinyl tap after yeah, that. So that'll, I'm going to be documenting this in Vinyl Tap, and also yeah. it's being on Netflix because we started filming it because it was YouTube, so everything's filmed. So we're talking to guys in Hollywood right now in, yeah. in L.A. Who are, who are going to get our film that Erico's been shooting for like two years. I've got all my old shots of me playing this with the Guess Who and BTO. So it's going to be the story of the lost and found magical guitar, and it's like the story of my life, and when I get it back... I'm going to be playing uh, the song that is going to be over the closing credits when the Netflix thing plays as a, as a rockumentary. So it's like an insight into my my ride of writing these songs and recording them with the Guess Who and BTO. Even with Trooper, I did We're Here for a Good Time and, and Rachel Little Howard produced Trooper. So all of that uh -huh. stuff's going to be in there and it's going to be like my life story through the through the eyes of this guitar. Amazing. Well, I can't wait. You know, you've, you know, you've got us really uh, excited about that. I have to wrap this up, but before I go, I need to talk about Dallas Good. I was absolutely devastated to find out uh, that Dallas Good, who's the uh, guitarist of the, the Sadius, passed away at, at 48 years old. Yeah, he was uh, Natural a good Causes of mine. on Thursday. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite albums is John Doe and the, and the Sadies, the country, country club. It's, it's a great album of, of, country and western standards and it's just so amazing um i just think we lost a, a true genius when it comes to canadian music can you do you want to say a few things about dallas and and since he was your friend please accept my condolences it's a sad day it was a sad day and he was a you know i did many gigs with the sadies because i was in toronto my band would be here in because uh, i lived in oakville for a while my band would be in victoria vancouver i'd call the sadies we had a set together it was about 90 minutes we played the mariposa folk festival together but everything i played on guitar dallas good could play better than i could i was taught and grew up with lenny bro dallas grew up with red shafe from gordon lightfoot's band who taught him faster picking than me there's a great video if you want to do it i played ottawa with the Sadies. It was Neil Young's birthday and uh, Whitehorse was on it, who's Luke mm -hmm. uh, Doucette and his wife. And we did Hurricane. Instead of singing Happy Birthday, we did Hurricane. It's about eight minutes long. And we rock out on the solos, but the best solo is Dallas Good. So if you want to Google that YouTube, it was in Ottawa on Neil Young's birthday, which is in November. I sorely miss him. I know his family and friends are going to miss him, and so are mm -hmm. millions of fans. 
Well, I, uh, Randy, I appreciate you joining me today. I'm so, uh, happy to have you part of the chorus uh, family now. Vinyl Trap coming to, uh, the chorus radio network as of March the 6th. It'll be great to hear your first show. I'm looking forward to it. Sunday nights at nine o'clock.